You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Here to talk some football, Lance Zerline, who was supposed to host the show today, but so many things going on down in uh, his hometown. And Holden Cushion here in for you today, Lance, with Anthony Beck. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I really wish I could be in there, but uh, having some some concerns here about about flooding, so I'm uh, – I'm playing it safe, but uh, it is, you know, it's funny what J.J. said is he, he talked about the, um, you know, the how frustrating it is not being part of, of you know, the, the process, and it really is. I mean, I don't have an airboat. I don't have a flat-bottom boat. I drove around today for about an hour and a half trying to hand out water to people I could, but, you know, the thing is, if I'm able to drive around on those areas, then those people are in pretty good shape. Uh, the people in Houston who are really in a lot of trouble, when that included my brother, and uh, who's a football coach, and, and my sister-in-law, they get trapped in houses or apartments, and they wait and wait, and they don't really realize that water's coming up from a bayou or from a you know uh, a body of water that's near them. And before you know it, those things really fill up quickly, and uh, and they you know everyone wants to keep water out of their house. Well, once water gets in your house, you might as well go. Because that thing's just going to rise. That's what that's what's happened. A lot of people have waited here in Houston, and uh, they're having to be rescued. Water's going up to the chest. Water's going up to the neck, in a lot of areas. And uh, the 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 rescues are taking place, and people are really stepping up. I just had Troy Twilley, who was a defensive back at uh, at LSU when my dad coached there. He just texted me. I don't know how he got my number, but he texted me and said, "Hey, I got an airboat." I need to. I want to come down there and start rescuing people. I said, Troy, and I don't know Troy. And I said, Troy, I appreciate it, but you're not going to be able to get into the city. It's just, you know, you're not going to be able to. Uh, you're going to get flooded. So that's the problem you have here. Is it's difficult to get to to, to people here, and it's uh, for the Houston Texans. It's a big challenge because they live here, and there are family members here, and some of these guys are going to, you know, they're going to have water in their homes. They're, the Houston Astros are dealing with the same thing. So. Um, it is, you know, from the world of sports and the football that we're talking, this team is going to have a hard – I'm just telling you, it is. I saw it happen with the Astros when we had Hurricane Ike. There's going to be a very difficult time for the Houston Texans to, to be able to focus and, and get done what they need to get done for the season because this is, a, this is not only a devastating scene now, but it's going to, to, to worsen by tomorrow. Yeah, Lance, you know, and again, uh, prayers and thoughts to any of your family and friends, obviously, they're being affected and, uh, and thinking about you, just uh, some of the text messages you sent us. Well, what are some of those early, uh, you know, plans for the Texans? Have you heard of anything as far as initially, number one, what they're doing? I mean, obviously, J.J. Watt's doing uh, some of the mm-hmm. stuff, worrying about those things on the outside, but internally as far as you know practices and how they're going to do all these how are they even operating right now as far as is it just is, are they off completely or is it how's it kind of going with them well they're in dallas they're in dallas now which is what they had to do they'll get their workouts in um there and what you know and you have to follow the weather system so you, you have an idea and you have to have a sense of of how the city dries out and what the history is. And this is our third major flood in the last three, in the last three years. I mean, I'm talking about major issues uh, with, with huge flash floods. And this one is going to be just, you know, widespread, but um, based on where the Texans are, their facility, and they have an indoor facility. If the system starts to move out tomorrow as, as it's anticipated, 
Um, I, I think the Texans will be fine by next week uh, to, to be back, probably by the end of this week if they wanted to. I think the game, I'm trying to recall if the game's in Dallas or Houston. But, um, it, you know, wherever it is, I mean, it, it should probably just be played in, in Dallas depending on what the circumstances are here in Houston. Uh, once again, it's, it slips my mind who's, who's the home team in that one. But uh, I do know this. I think that they will be fully functional and fully operational, Anthony, by uh, next week. Uh, as they prepare for week one of the NFL season. I don't think that will be a problem based on where they are geographically, how that area drains. And uh, it's just going to be a, a matter of can everyone focus on the task at hand when the other task at hand is, you know, has to do with, with the community and, and trying to rebuild and, and potentially for a lot of these guys, you know, take care of their own issues at home. Are you down there for Hurricane Ike also? Because I, I work on the baseball side of things here at TuneIn, and a very good friend of mine who also does a show, LaTroy Hawkins, was part of the Astros mm-hmm. team, and they ended up having to move the whole Not series yet. up to Milwaukee back they in got no, what They got one hit by Carlos Zambrano. Yep. So they were in the middle of a playoff run, right? Yep. And they had to move an entire series to Milwaukee. I think I want to say they got no hit and one hit. Uh, um, Carlos Zambrano shut, shut him down, no hitter. Yeah, no hitter. And then, and then the next game they got one hit. So they had, and I talked to Lance Berkman about that. We had him on the show back then, and the, the team was just, uh, and that's why I referenced the Astros, and I'm glad you picked up on that. I saw it happen with the Astros where their minds just weren't in it. I mean, that was the beginning of the end for their season. Uh, they were done after the hurricane hit because they lost that series to the Cubs, which they needed back when they were in the National League. The players, Lance Berkman and some of the other players, said they had no focus on the game. Um, they were just, you know, too nervous about what was going on with their family. So, yeah, that's what I was saying. I, I don't think it's a given that the Texans are just going to have their mind uh, on, on the game in week four. And, and who, who knows, maybe even for week one of the regular season. It really just depends on when the system gets out of here. But this is, you know, day four. And we'll have day five of rain tomorrow as well for sure. Yeah, and, you know, they are home uh, week one uh, versus Jacksonville. And, uh, again, I can only think, you know, just from my experience, you know, I was uh, up in New York when uh, 9-11 happened. And uh, mm-hmm. trust me, the last thing on my mind well, was football. And we didn't play you know, that week. We, we started that charge. But, uh, yeah, you know, from the player's standpoint. And, you know, it's tough to go practice in Dallas, too, uh, Lance, when, you know, these players' families are, are living in the area and they're, you know, dealing with themselves. You're actually pulling them away to do their job, but yet they got family and their friends and stuff in that area trying to, you know, hunker down and, and, and get through this. Well, and this, this coaching staff is a very family-oriented staff with Bill O'Brien. A lot of the coaches here have family and have, have kids, Mike Brabel included, uh, the defensive coordinator. And so it's not just the players. I mean, it's everybody. It's the coaching staff. It's the people who set up the, the travel plans. It's media relations. It's everybody who has a job to do, and it, and it could have an impact. And, you know, um, I, they should be ready to play the first week of the season here. And I don't, I don't anticipate that being a problem, but we'll, we'll wait and see. I think the city would be upset if, if something were to happen with that because they're going to want something like that and, and to, to focus positive energy in that direction to the Texans. And I think it will be – the place will just be bananas. Now, you've got to go out there and still play. But as we saw with, with the, the, you know, the, the famous Steve Gleason game with the Saints versus the Falcons, I mean, an entire city can just rally around uh, a team when really they're rallying around themselves. They're really rallying around the city. 
and it can turn into a big emotional, um, you know, outpouring uh, that that, that kind of rolls the team forward. But as you mentioned with the with the nine eleven, I mean, we saw we saw firsthand how difficult that was. And I remember the was it the first week, Anthony? The first week was postponed of the entire season, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. My dad was with the Cleveland Browns, and uh, I think it was his first year coaching NFL football. And, and the first week was uh, – I remember the first week that they did play football. That was just an incredible scene, the flyovers and just everything that took place then. But uh, in Houston, it certainly this isn't a national uh, – it's a national story, but it's happening locally. But uh, it, it really will be a concern. Logistically, I think it will be okay. But then getting the guys to focus on what they have to focus on – it's going to be understandably tough. But where you are right now is, is okay, right? I mean, you're, o- yeah, I'm good. you're okay. Yeah, I'm good. And I have, you know, you just have that remorse that you can't be out doing more and helping more. And that's, you know, kind of where I am right now is I couldn't even get to my brother today who had to be rescued by boat. Mm. There's, you know, it's just wow. nothing I could do. Um, so it's, diff- it's, it's difficult. I've got some friends, I think, who may evacuate an area. Uh, where a big um, the Brazos River is expected to overflow, and and so I've got some friends I think who are going to head this way and, and stay with me when they evacuate. But uh, but me, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape, and I and I actually anticipate with the weather being the way it is, I, I think there's there's a pretty good chance I'll be able to come on and, and do the show tomorrow on Wednesday. Wow! I mean, first of all, that's terrific uh from your standpoint and second of all just again it's so tough watching things like that and you know anthony you go back to 9-11 sorry to bring it down but this is this is real life going on and it affects yeah. it, it affects sports and people are going it, the, the the cliche is oh no one's going to feel sorry for you you know what people are going to feel sorry for the houston texans and o'brien but ultimately feeling sorry is not going to make anybody play less hard against the Houston Texans. So he has decisions he has to make that, I mean, I, I guess we'll figure out in week four, right? They're, they're, they probably will play the game, but what are some of the big decisions that the Texans have here heading into the final week of the preseason? Well, I mean, this is this is an interesting challenge because it's, as you guys know, it's the massive cut. I mean, you go right to 53 now. There's not the, the, the you know, the, the, the small ciphering off of the roster anymore. It's now gone. They want to go to a more massive cut so that they have enough bodies in camp to get through you know, different reps and protect the veterans and, and some of the younger players. And so now the, the, the rosters are great big, and so they still got massive amounts of cuts. Every team does. But you've got to get rid of a massive amount of players, be prepared to know who you want to keep on your practice squad, who you want to grab off the waiver wire of other teams on the pro personnel side. So – Every team, this is a major challenge. The way that it's being done now, it's going to, it's going to lead to a free-for-all personnel-wise. And for the Texans, I think just the extra stress will, will cause them uh, those concerns. Now, from a, from a football standpoint, they have got to, to get ready for a week four. Obviously, if they choose to, they can sit a bunch of starters. But there are some battles going on right now on the, along the offensive line at the uh, – potentially the four, the third and fourth running back spots. There are some issues there at the safety position. So there are some, some jobs still to be won, potentially outside linebacker. There are going to be some – I mean, week four is an important week for a few guys who are on that roster bubble. So this is still a very, very important game uh, for the Texans. I would say there's probably about five to six roster spots that are, you know, that are truly on the line here this week. 
And I think, too, Lance, the biggest thing I think for teams, you know, we're talking about the whole uh, pushing the, the cuts, the final cuts uh, later so that players can say, usually you have that buffer for teams where it's not so much the guys you don't want, but when you only cut a few in the beginning and those guys hit the wires and you can kind of, you know, see those pictures of guys that you might want to bring in. And you're, but when they're all out there and now you got, you know, yeah. every single guy's getting cut on the same day, now he's as these cluster of players. I mean, I, I got to – to me, that that is where, you know, GMs and pro professionals, that, that's where they're going to make their money this year because, uh, you know, to find those spots. I mean, I, I know teams, and, and you see it every year, that half of their practice squad is none of the guys that were they were carrying on their roster through training camp. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's it's amazing. So Chris Ballard from the Indianapolis Colts, their new GM, is, is a friend of mine and a guy that's kind of a mentor for me, and I've learned a lot from him. And I remember when we talked about the draft going from, you know, the the Saturday, the, the rounds one, two, three on Saturday, and then uh, four, five, six, seven on Sunday, once they switched to the, the formula with, with round one being on Thursday and then round two and three being on Friday – they didn't really like it with, with the Bears when he was there with Jerry Angelo because they felt like they really had a good handle on the draft and the prospects. And what that allowed teams to do was recoup. And after round one was over, okay, let's go reassess and, and reprioritize everything on rounds two and three, and it gave them a chance to catch their breath. And then the same thing for the day three picks. They liked it. They felt like they really had a good scouting staff and they had a good handle on, on the draft, and they felt like it gave them an advantage to be rolling through, you know, three rounds consecutively and then four rounds consecutively. And I think the same thing can be said, um, you know, Chris has done, Ballard's done a great job of picking guys up off the waiver wire that have helped in the past the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think the point is, to your point, Anthony, when you have this amount of players that all of a sudden are open, if you don't have everything down, I mean, if your pro personnel stuff if you don't have a priority one, priority two, and priority three list ready to go today, today, that you can scratch guys off if they make a roster, then you're in major, major trouble because this is just going to be a dumping of players all at once, and you've got to have a very focused plan to get the guys you want. And if you don't, you know, the team that is focused is going to greatly benefit because there are always players who can play who hit the waiver wire, especially players – who hit the waiver wire and just need time to continue to be coached on a practice squad and be brought along a little more slowly. Lance, you know, and you cover all the NFL, but in specific with the Texans, you know, Tom Savage is the starter. He's the guy that's going to go out there. But how much do you think Jay, uh, Deshaun Watson made as far as an impression? And is there going to be that game-to-game pressure uh, you know, how comfortable, I guess, per se, will Tom Savage feel going into the season knowing that, you know, Watson obviously brought in top, you know, top pick, you know, where right. he's going to be on kind of the how, – how loose is the leash, per se, for him going into the season? Well, okay, so Tom Savage benefits from the fact that Bill O'Brien two years ago admitted that he made a mistake by, by benching um, Brian Hoyer after – three quarters, basically, um, maybe it was one half, against the Kansas City Chiefs in week one and then going to Ryan Mallett. So he doesn't want to do that again. With that said, I've talked to people behind the scenes with the Texans who say Bill O'Brien loves Deshaun Watson. Now, he likes, he likes Tom Savage plenty, but Bill O'Brien really loves the makeup 
and just everything about the leadership and the preparation and, and all the intangibles for Deshaun Watson. But as you know, Anthony, rookie quarterbacks, I mean, that is a steep hill to yeah. climb. So Deshaun Watson is not ready yet. And I think there was, there was a little bubbling. There was a, it was starting to bubble up just a little bit that, um, that Deshaun Watson might be able to win that job. But then I think during the practices against the, the, uh, the, the New England Patriots and then against the New Orleans Saints, some of the joint practices over the last two weeks, the Texans got a sense that, well, Deshaun is what we thought he is, which is not quite ready. Let's stick with, with, uh, with Tom Savage. But if you look at the schedule and you see that game after game four, you go into, uh, you go into a bye week, or week five, I think, is the Cleveland Browns, I believe. That could easily be a win, and then after week five, you've got the bye week after that. So I think that right there around week five and maybe week six, seven – is where you could see the transition. If Tom Savage isn't getting it done, you could see the transition to Deshaun Watson. But let me tell you why there's a much greater chance that Tom Savage can hang on longer than people think. He knows how to get the ball to DeAndre New Hopkins. Hopkins is a tremendous wideout. He is one of the best combat catch guys that you're going to find. He has a way of getting late separations. Some call it push off. I call it clever handwork, <laughs> as you might know, Anthony. And uh, I never he, pushed he's off. Great with, he's got great with body control and some of the stickiest hands in pro football. And Tom Savage and, and DeAndre Hopkins have a great rapport. So one thing that Brock, Brock Osweiler didn't do is he didn't feed the he didn't feed the rock to DeAndre Hopkins, and, and he didn't have enough ball placement to get it done. Tom Savage can sit and rip it when he's in the pocket. And you give him time, and he can find his favorite target, and that's DeAndre Hopkins. So he's got a shot. The problem is he's so slow through his progressions. He takes so long to, to, to make decisions at times that he'll end up taking more sacks than he should. So you let him sit and throw, and if you can protect him, Tom Savage can hurt you from the pocket. The question is going to be, can the Texans protect him with no Dwayne, you know, with the Dwayne Brown issue? Because, you know, what are you going to do when the pressure's there? Tom Savage is is a bit of a statue. So I think that's a, a big concern, and that's where, once again, Deshaun Watson has an advantage over him is that he is, he's very mobile. But uh, the wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, loves Tom Savage. So, you know, I, I think that definitely helps Tom. That's a big check mark in Tom Savage's favor. Lance Erlon here on NFL No Huddle on NFL on Tune and Holder Kusher Anthony Becht. Um, my last one for you be on Lamar Miller. All things being mm-hmm. equal in a perfect world. Does the staff want him to have 300 touches again, or would they like to just ha- have the workload back a little bit, back it off a little bit, and see if he could stay a little healthier? I'm not sure they want him to have 200, mm. if you want me to be completely honest. He's not a real hard runner between the tackles. Um, he has more of a slasher and more of an outside zone runner who needs to get – he feels more comfortable when he's out on the perimeter and can make his one cut and go. He is not a gap scheme runner. He is not a guy that's going to hit it hard in between the tackles. And it was very obvious watching last year. Now, he's got enough burst that even if he dances in there, he can still make some plays happen. And he's got talent. He's obviously a talented pass catcher, too. But there's a reason they drafted Deontay Foreman from Texas in the uh, third round. He's a banger. He is a guy who's a bigger running back who I think they feel like can get more yard-after-contact type of collision yardage. Um, um, between the tackles, and I think you'll see for sure Deontay Foreman become a bigger part of this offense than maybe some people expected from the rookie, and I think you will see them pull 
the Lamar Miller touches back this year without question. They also have running backs like Hakeem Hunt and, and Tyler Irvin, who's kind of a running back slash wide receiver. You have some guys like that who are on this team as well. Uh, Alfred Blue is still there who can get you some, some tough yards. So I, I think Lamar Miller's on, on, on a relatively short leash this year from a touch standpoint if you're a fantasy Football owner. Hey, stay safe, man. Uh, it's good that at least you, you know you got a phone connection in your house. Everything's uh, in good order, and we've never met before. But uh, I'm a fan of your work. You take care of yourself, all right? I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. And I'll try to make it in there tomorrow. Looking forward to doing doing a show with you, Anthony. Be well, man. No doubt. All right, thanks. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on. Tune in.